it's a, a podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're amped. We're back. Yeah, we're doing it. So, uh, we had a little bit of a... Let's just be open. Let's be transparent. We had a, kind of a hard episode last time. Mm. A, a series ender, almost. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's one that where we definitely felt the need to back off a little bit and t- take a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We needed a little bit of a breather. Um, and uh, we decided to, uh, you know, this is an earnest podcast. Let's start there. Let's start at the beginning. Hey, this why is... not? Why not with the name of it? It's yeah. called Hey Vern, It's a Podcast. It's called Hey Vern, It's a Podcast. And we are watching all of the earnest films uh starting even with one that only sort of has earnest in it uh today with uh dr otto and the riddle of the gloom beam which was the first film appearance of earnest and um more or less first feature film first feature film feature film yeah because he had obviously been in thousands of commercials before then uh tv shows stuff like that made little appearances like that but uh our, the point of our show is we're going to run the series not in order <laughs> oh oh god no that'd be i mean we kind of already made that mistake by doing like the first four movies first so we kind of front-loaded all the really really good ones yeah. and now we just like gotta kind of find what we can out of the rest of it but we knew that Ernest goes to africa would be troubling and it was and oh, very much so <laughs> so what we did was we said Let's throw this in the middle. Let's, you know, you're doing housework and you're like, I really don't want to fucking clean the toilets, but you do that first so you can do the the easier stuff later. Uh, Ernest Goes to Africa was us cleaning the toilets, that racist piece of shit movie I will never watch again. But, uh, and then this week was us jumping back to the the Er Ernest uh, movie, uh, which is a movie that barely has Ernest in it, uh, but it has a hell of a lot of Jim Barney. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of Jim Barney. It, it does, and of course we'll get we'll get into the movie because we're also going to talk about an episode of the TV show, which we always pair with the movie, and we'll talk about that first. Um, but just general thoughts on the movie. Uh, it had been a long time since I'd watched this, but I, I watched the shit out of this as a kid because I think I just used to rent it a lot because I loved Ernest, and to see where they started as far as making movies like what their first idea was the first time they made a movie based off the little bit of popularity they had with Ernest and their production company was so ballsy and weird and dark to see them start here and wind up in Ernest goes to Africa it it's it's a bit heartbreaking <laughs> there's so much inventiveness there's a lot of production value in this one there's a lot of excitement for creativity there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of joke jokes, like written, you know, set up punchline jokes. And Ernest Goes to Africa has like almost none of that. It's like a hideous looking movie. It looks like it was like the fact that they actually went to Africa for it, like does not really show. Mm-mm. It looks like they uh, they had a buddy like there's like a zoo coming through. There's not a zoo. There's like a, a carnival coming through town that happened to have some zoo animals. And they were like, we're going to shoot there. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, and I did go back and uh, look at my Ernest book uh, and what John Cherry said about filming Ernest Goes to Africa, Um, and it was basically a couple of different chapters all based around filming in Africa, because he also shot a couple of other movies, like that Laurel and Hardy movie I think he shot there as well. But yeah, it just seemed like the entire thing was a complete fucking disaster through and through. (laughs) And uh, it shows. And this is, uh, this is a movie that I was pretty into. This is a very nice reset button both um 
you know, for the series. We're going back to the very beginning. But also uh, for our mental states, our <laughs> sense of mental health. Because oh, yeah. I needed something sweet and innocent and from the summer days of Ernest, not from the... Uh, we don't have the a cold, budget dark and, winter. Over yes, <laughs> we don't have a budget, and uh, all of our our weird bitterness uh, is coming out in in droves. Um, but yeah, yeah but first... from the happy springtime and not the the winter of our discontent. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, we're composing a John Steinbeck novel uh, about the the tale of Ernest. Um, so. Wh- I will just say before before we get, jump into the episode, just by comparison though, um, the Ernest goes to Africa bit that was like three or four chapters about a ridiculous production that went to shit, having to deal with animals, uh, hiring Zulu people to to work on the film without them understanding what's going on, uh, trucks being stolen, all sorts of crazy stuff, um, and then like this, a nice little production that they did right at the beginning, just like, hey, we're gonna try to make a movie, guys, and then the name of this chapter was, it had failure smeared all over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is... Uh, this movie is charming tra- Dr. Otto, I think, is like charming trash. And it is the chart. We'll get into why it's so charming. And it is because it is a very weird movie. And I had no idea that the Ernest saga, uh, in terms of feature films, started with a movie called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Like, what a miserable title. <laughs> well, yeah. And you, you think, of course, Ernest Goes to Camp uh, as being the first one. But yeah, and like I said, that's how I won my Ernest Goes to Camp storyboard when I when I met John Cherry, was that they asked that question, how many Ernest films are there? And I was like, trick question, motherfucker. Ten with Dr. Otto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. And it, it started in a very weird way, but it makes sense. They basically started doing these commercials after creating the character. They did uh, one other kind of movie, but it was like a short. Uh, it was like an hour long and it was hey Vern, it's my family album where he gets to play several characters and then they keep doing commercials and they get popular so they're like fuck let's make a movie guys let's make a feature film and they decided well let's not just make an earnest movie because who the fuck wants to see that let's showcase jim varney here let's have him do a bunch of characters like we did on that hour long thing yeah yeah and it's the movie kind of makes the show look like shit in a way well, I mean, to be fair, it's because the show kind of is shit. <laughs> Which we also, do, I do have to point out, we also did jump back to the very beginning of the TV show as well, because we went back to episode one of the show, which was Hey Vern, It's Outer Space, which seemed to kind of tie in together, being like a weird sci-fi movie and a sci-fi show. Yeah, they have the little robot character was clearly recycled from the, the, the movie to the show. and then... Everything was recycled yes, to the yes. show. Yeah, John Cherry did not throw anything out. Um, but the uh, go, getting to compare the show to this is like a bit safer because you don't have that ballast of like a sweet character of Ernest at the center of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. You have a whole new character, and he's a fine character. He's an interesting character, more or less. Um, but that lets you really focus on what Jim Varney is actually doing in the movie because he's not the lead. And Jim Varney is pulling out all these characters and is like really like lovingly crafted set of characters that like I think over the years he would get sick of trotting out or at least like the the jokes would get tired. Um, and the show itself is is very very tired at times. 
But uh, at least this episode was um, the first one, so there's like them. Yeah, and who knows what order they, they filmed it in, but it seemed like they had more pep in this one. Like, they, they were just like, we're putting on a show, guys. And it has, so hey, the, the name of the episode is Hey Vern, It's Outer Space. Um, and it, it has a plot. A plot that also centers around Dr. Otto. They really fucking loved Dr. Otto at this point in time. See, and again, I, I just kind of paired this up, paired these together because, oh, outer space, Dr. Otto is kind of sci-fi. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I, of course, hadn't really seen these episodes before, but the fact that it featured Dr. Otto so heavily, I was like, fucking perfect match. <laughs> They're both centered around a Dr. Otto plot. Oh, you you know what else? Um, Hi, hi Peter. Hi, Peter Moran. How are you doing? That's your Marcus, name. You co-host the show. We're we're. How are we going to get past the fact that we record this once a month, give or take, and and we are rusty every single time? Hi, Marcus. Very nice to talk to you again. Um, how are you doing? I, I'm very well. Uh, in addition to to recording one of these for the first time in a while, being very excited too because we haven't even chatted in a while. You've been on vacations and doing things like we've barely spoken. I, I've become a whole year older since the last time we've spoken. I am now a 31 year old man who spends his time talking about earnest movies. <laughs> Marcus, do not ask who the president is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I'm Pete Moran. Uh, I host uh, a show called We Love to Watch uh, that is a uh, movie podcast, a themed movie podcast with my co-host Aaron Armstrong. Marcus has been on it a ton. Marcus mm-hmm. is a little, has, has some podcasts of his own, Crushed Celluloid notably. Uh, but the, the the more regular one, I think, is is Jean Claude Van Damme covering the films of uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> there I you almost go. Fucked that up. <laughs> I, I do it quite quite frequently. But yes, yes. Uh, th- you, thank you, you, you very much. If you ever meet him, will you call him Jean Claude Van Damme? Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, I I have a problem doing that anyway. Just when I try to talk to people about Jean Claude Van Damme, I end up saying Jean Claude Van Damme because I'm so used to saying that. <laughs> it's it's a. Um, it's it's a dangerously sticky pun because like once it gets in your oh it your, sticks yeah it sticks real big once it gets in your brain it's like just subverts the actual thing you're 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 punning it's like when you have like a fourth level pun and then people are like wait what are you actually riffing on <laughs> like your your brain eventually just like stacks these things until they have no meaning um but, uh, in addition yeah. to this, we, we combined forces to make this show, uh, which we we are about halfway through. By the time we get to the next episode, we'll be over halfway through. Well, that's um, you know, with how Ernest went to Africa, uh, went. I'm desperately hoping we have some some more um, light ahead of us in this tunnel because uh, yeah, I'm hoping it wasn't like just a straight downward shot from here because we've covered the early movies that people are pretty into. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, we're pretty much like, you know, we we covered the second to last movie. Now we're covering like kind of the second movie, but the first feature length movie. So after this, we can go to the very last movie. The Ernest goes or Ernest it fucks the army or whatever, uh, and then we can go all the way back to the beginning with Hey Vern, It's My Family album, and then there's nowhere to go but like school and sports and writing again <laughs> and things like that. Um, yeah, so we'll see we'll see how uh, how that goes when we get there. So the show 
it has a plot like it does every week, more or less. But this this plot is a little stronger than normal. The plot this it, week it is, is that the through line is pretty decent. Is that they find a uh, supposedly an alien pod thing, uh, a viral moon pod, uh, crashes into Vern's house. Correct. Correct. Uh, Which uh, reminds Ernest of his favorite movie, Attack of the Moon People. Yes, obviously. Um, And he—that's actually—he references uh, Vonnegut at some point later, but uh, we'll get to that. uh, He—he thinks it's a just. I guess with zero information, he guesses that it's like a payload of alien germs that will decimate the earth uh when this timer goes off on it yeah basically destroying everything as well as lowering the property value of Vern's house yes which is which mirrors a joke in the actual movie where they're talking about how um since they're saying all this horrible shit's gonna happen but also um this company's profits are gonna go right through the the tubes um there's there's a few things lining up here uh it does turn out to be plot of dr otto to cook toast i believe uh well not not just to cook toast but to burn toast and not just to burn toast but to make the most perfectly burnt toast every time that's why he got like whatever out he got hours and hours and hours um on this device because it was supposed to burn this toast because dr otto but burn it perfectly dr Otto. Dr. otto loves bad things he loves, he loves naughtiness. He's, he's, he's a real kook. Well, he, he loves uh, innocently naughty things. Like, he, like uh, in previous episodes, we've seen him like, oh, he, he invented Brussels sprouts to, <laughs> to, to terrorize children. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he creates a, a machine that just burns toast perfectly to where people will always have burnt toast. Yes. Uh, just like, you know, kind of silly bad things. When we get to the actual movie, he's got a bit more of an actual diabolical scheme, but still handled in a very slapsticky kind of way. Yeah, the movie is, is the darkest earnest product so far. And um, I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Ernest Goes to Africa is pretty dark in the sense that, like, I would never show that to a child. Hey, hey, it... come, come on, come on, Pete. You don't need to say it like it's a bad thing. I, I meant that it's a, it's a viciously racist thing that I would never show to a child, okay? okay? Because of all the darkness in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Damn it, fuck you. <laughs> um, so uh, see 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 the the bile that comes out of us when this movie comes up. <laughs> Do you see how quick you were to turn on me? <laughs> okay, so Ernest has to save the world from this plot, or so he believes. Can we expedite this? Just run through the bits that are the same every fucking week. Matt Finish, the Hollywood photographer, uh... the soundboard boy, and we have another baby bit. Uh, we've got the tongue. We got Mac and George. Which okay, of course we we've been through this before. Uh, baby Ernest, I I hate it. I can't stand it. It's so creepy and not however, in a fun way. However, baby Doctor Otto, the which we see in the movie, I'm completely okay with. I am too. I don't know why. Um, I think it's because it's like grounded within a bit. Like there's a there's a frame around it. It's yeah. just as creepy, but I guess... Well, and it's a baby, but it still creepy. has the hand above his head, which is, which is kind of cute. But yeah, it kind of works in a, a, a quick bit like that, but yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, and the tongue and fucking Mac and George. God damn it. I don't want to talk about any of that. Do we, do we yeah. have to talk about any of those? No, okay. we don't. We don't. All the recycled bits are just so bad. The, the, the fucking the fucking barber bit is like also not still not funny. And like... There's an additional creep bit that, that I, I wasn't used to, but it's uh, the moon singing. They cut to like two different times. That is creepy as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of Lynchian. Like, <laughs> it's like... It reminds me of something from Eraserhead or something. It's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, deeply uncomfortable, but like sort of like has, he's singing like a sort of old timey song, but in a way that if you added like some actual like old timey distortion on it, or you watch this on like a shitty VHS, it's I nightmare you, fuel. It would, it would be so. Oh my god, it'd be so creepy if you watched this like with, yeah, with the Hollywooding like sort of distortion on it. Um, and moon moon singing is is a recurring bit, very creepy. Sort of like the tongue thing. It's just like in the baby thing. It's just like creepy. It doesn't work. And then, but they shot all these probably within like five days. So they were workaholic, crazy people. They they didn't know how to stop. They shot all the shit. Prob- they probably shot like all the Doctor Auto bits for the entire season in like three hours. Like who knows? Um, and it was the the late eighties. I mean, there was probably some cocaine going on. Yeah. Yeah, the, the I mean, frantic energy of the allegedly. show and the performances, like it, it seems very likely that that could have happened. Can we talk about how low the batting average is on on the show for uh, good bits? Like, oh, it's, it's so it's, much lower than SNL low. at its worst. <laughs> yeah, like e- even in like the dreaded like eighty four, eighty five season, like it's still not quite that bad. Yeah, um, but. What do we got that's new? Okay. Uh, well, we we have an old bid, but we we get to see the origins of it, which is my father the clown. We get we get more because before it's just it's popped up. We've been wondering like, what's up with this family? What's it like? Um, we actually get a little bit more info because it starts off it's in two pieces. Uh, first, it's like stay tuned later for my father the clown. We find out everyone's names. Uh, we we have. Uh, Eddie and Skeeter, which are the the two sons. Uh, we thought the clown son was actually a daughter, but they're both sons. So clown Eddie son. and Skeeter. Uh, the dad's name is Mike. The dad clown, his name is Mike. Um, and then there's Mom. <laughs> and Mike it, the it's clown saying, like, is kind of depressing. Yeah, but it, it's also there's a line I really liked where it's just like, "Oh, uh, join us for my father the clown when Eddie, Skeeter, Mike, and Mom worm their way into your hearts." It's so weird that they set up the bit like. Especially because it's one of the few bits week to week I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, 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 the dad comes home, sad clown about some shit, and and then um, he's he's talking to his clown son, being all supportive of his clown son, saying you know you could be whatever you want, clown president, which you know, clown president, foreshadowing, foreshadowing years later, yeah, our current situation in the White House. <laughs> if you think about it. Nice Dennis Miller, babe. <laughs> this clown was doing a honky honky with the Playboy model behind the Book of Rattan. <laughs> that's that's not bad. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it was too logical. Actually, I need to throw in more like just nonsense references to things from the '40s that, for some reason, Dennis Miller remembers. Yeah, exactly. And maybe get a, a little bit more batshit insane at oh, this yeah. point. So, and then he says, yeah, the clown president thing. And then his human son, notice 
human son. Okay. Clowns aren't humans to me. Um, his human son says, you know, tries to get a little bit of encouragement out of his fucking father. Something that a son shouldn't have to ask for, dad. And I, th- I think he's from a previous marriage. He does not treat him like his, his own child. He's like, you know, look like me. You look like your your awful mother. I, I'm not giving you anything. I'm gonna. My son is over there. My son looks like me. My son has a honky nose and big. My son can feet. be anything he wants to be. Size 18 feet. Um, and uh, he uh, he he sprays his human son uh, with water and says, "You could be a, a water buffalo," which is. So tragic. His son just wanted just wanted some love from his father, some appreciation. Yeah, yeah and I'm pretty sure he did backhand slap him after saying that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry or you'll get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Go cut me a switch. <laughs> So, uh, what else we got here? We got a robot family. Uh, sorry, not robot. An alien an family. An alien family. This is a new bit, and this is one I was kind of okay with. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, robot, the robot's a different thing. We'll get to that. There's an alien family that's, like, uh, similar to My Father the Clown. It's sort of like a Leave it to Beaver riff kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, a, a, a mother and her child, um... D- nondescript gendered child something and the, the child's like geez mom can i go to earth and abduct a human and then she abducts auntie nelda mm-hmm. Whoa, good you know? good use of auntie nelda <sighs> good use of auntie nelda because auntie nelda doesn't seem terrified at all she's just sort of like this is gonna be work which is auntie <laughs> nelda in her best state auntie nelda is is great she's my best friend um, dude, this is Stockholm Syndrome at this point, right? That I, like, like Auntie Nelda. We've been watching this show enough that I'm attached to Auntie Nelda. Yeah, because she is the worst. <laughs> this is Stockholm Syndrome. Um, but she she's maybe the most logical character of all of them. Like, when she finally gets her turn, she's like, oh, all that trouble all those million miles away, and then they don't even want me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she is in the movie as well, so we'll have more time to talk about Auntie Nelda later. But, uh, and then I think the last bit we haven't talked about is that there's a robot waiter. That's a new character as far as we've seen, and it's a recycled robot from Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Bee. Yeah, named Willie. Willie. Which, um, I don't know, I think he's shown up maybe briefly once or twice in other episodes of the show. Like, I don't think he's had as big of a part as he had in this, but I think maybe he just, like pops up briefly once or twice but you probably just had no idea who or what it was this is 100 percent something that john cherry made and then the you know the team made and then this ended up in john cherry's garage for years and then he was like well shoot, shooting this thing this is going in there um because it, it, it's it looks exactly the same it still has that trash can bucket head thing yeah, with just, uh, you know, smiley face uh, expressions. Um, I did like the fact that they added, they drew a little a little mustache on him for being a waiter. Yeah, yes, and in the movie... They also have but, that, actually. Yeah, in the movie, when he's angry, he'll they'll change the expression. It reminds me of, have you ever played uh, Fallout New Vegas? 
Uh, no. So there's a there's these like robot sentry guards that are just have a computer screen for a face, and they only have like basically emoji faces. <laughs> so it's it's just smile, smile, smile. Well, they no matter stole what it's... that from uh, Doctor Otto in the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. <laughs> apparently, obviously, you know, Fall, Fallout stole from Mad Max, a boy and his dog, and apparently also Doctor Otto, Otto in the Riddle of the of the, the Gloom Beam. Took me a minute to say that title because it's so good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of creepy. Just this like emotionless smiley face, face on a robot. Like it's clear, it clearly looks like a corporate product where they're like, um, this thing's fucking terrifying. What the, what do we do with this thing? Slap a smiley on it. (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. And they like, or like they give, um, you know, there's like in a couple cities they have like police robots. They're just like I guess they just try and like shoot homeless people. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck they were there for, but um, and then people like just destroyed them. They did the same thing with that. They gave them like cutesy nicknames like Mebo and Bop Bop or something, so people wouldn't just revolt. And they still they saw this hideous trash can thing and they smashed it to bits. Well, that's because they didn't put a smiley face on it to comfort them. That's it. They need to take more. Fallout took lessons from Doctor Otto the real world fascists need to take more lessons from uh, earnest films um but yeah what are we missing anything we, we good we good uh, I, I think we're pretty good i do just want to point out something i hadn't noticed before um but within Vern's house where most of the earnest bits take place in this episode there is not one but two different charlie chaplin posters up on the wall and it seems like earnest is aiming high about what what he wants to be, where he wants to go, what he wants to be thought of as, and uh, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't. Um, it would be really great if we lived in a universe where, like, uh, Chaplin, Keatlin, Whirl. <laughs> some some sort of great comedic director had scooped up Jim Varney and had been like, "You have a natural rubber face. The material you've been working with is not great." we're gonna make it work for you because it would have been it would have been great if like he got to jump ship from john cherry at some point and then come back to Ernest, uh, you know with bigger budgets and got to come back to to Ernest, you know with a you know a renewed sense of like what the character is um but instead he kind of got like locked in here and then you know he would run and do his little hollywood movies like he was in beverly hillbillies um toy story toy story like he probably made some probably made some good money off toy story uh mm-hmm. and then he had to run on back to doing Ernest, and that was kind of like how his career ended it would have been cool if like some comedy director in the 90s was like this guy i think Ernest was born in the wrong decade i think that like the chaplain thing is kind of interesting because like the 90s Dude, he, were not he about was, that kind of he comedy was five, he was five years back from being jim carrey yes yes and, and uh, we weren't but like the physical side of his comedy was something that in the 90s people didn't want. Like, people, like, Jackie Chan was sort of an outlier. Like, a lot of a lot of people wanted, like, quick quips and pop culture remarks, and they wanted, like, people that would, like, you know, uh, reference, like, you know, art and reference, like, things that they cared about, as opposed to, like, the, like, slapsticky, silly sort of, like, Peter Sellers, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton-style comedians. Those had kind of died out in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it I will say, though, with the Jim Carrey comparison, 
uh, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Ernest Goes to Africa, practically the same movie. <laughs> I, we, we should have done a side-by-side um, just to be like, which one is more racist? Um, yeah. I, I would imagine it's it's go, the Ernest Goes to Africa, so maybe we shouldn't have done that. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of it. There's uh, an Auntie Nalda references uh, Trafalmador from uh, Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> She says that, the, you know, whatever, she got dumped by Trafalgamorians or Trafalgamorians. Yeah. Like, it's clearly supposed to be referencing how in Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, the main character gets put in an alien zoo as a pet. Um, and that's what Auntie Nelda references. <laughs> but I love when she gets brought up there and it's like, uh, she's gonna, it's gonna shed everywhere. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> you don't know where it's been. <laughs> um, that is sort of like... Uh, adopting like a like I adopted an, an adult dog, but it's sort of like adopting a very old dog. Also, like you're not going to get a lot of years out of this pet. I had, somebody had to say it about Auntie Nelda. She's over the hill. Oh, uh, also, I don't uh, know if she what... can make it over the hill in the car she drives. <laughs> <laughs> Stole that joke straight yeah, from, from Norm. McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's good stuff uh, But uh, also that'll kind of lead into uh, The movie we're going to talk about uh, For the first time, like I said, there's much more Dr. Otto In this episode, but we get to find out What his actual full name is Which is Dr. Otto von Schnitt We'll be starting soon We hold hands In the As our passions So, uh, Dr. Otto at the Riddle of the Gloombeam. This is... This 1986. Is a, it is a firmly 1986 movie in terms of production. The laser effects, the so production again, value. Again, two years prior to this TV show we were just talking about, one year prior to Ernest Goes to Kant, the first Ernest movie. Um, of course, it was probably filmed in like 84, 85, but like... Just a year before Ernest Goes to Camp comes, and then it's just nothing but Ernest movies for the next decade. This this is where it began. It's it's very strange. You figure they would have made their the Ernest movie would have been their first movie, like a true if they knew what Ernest was that they would have made movies around him because like they these are ostensibly kids movies, but weirdly enough, like on paper, every other Ernest movie is more of a kids movie. This is a uh, a sci-fi movie about a world-destroying plot. It's got tons of dark humor involving the collapse of society, suicide, being murdered, child soldiers, like Russian roulette. Russian roulette. Holy yeah. shit! There's a lot of dark stuff in this. Doctor Otto is at his darkest that he will ever be in any of the the movies of the shows. Like he's he, he's literally trying to destroy the world as opposed to just like 
being like a little a little troll. Yeah, and and, and let's see. Okay, so uh, let's think about this. So again, early eighties. Uh, Cherry and Varney are making these earnest commercials for local TV ads and stuff. It gets popular, picks up some steam. They're like, oh, let's start an earnest fan club. Let's make this 60-minute video where Varney gets to, like, play around, do a bunch of characters, have his family album. Um, and now, like, we, we can do it, guys. We can make a movie. So instead of immediately doing, like, an Ernest Goes to Camp, which makes sense as your first movie, as the first official movie, really, they're like... No, we'll have Ernest in it a little bit, but we don't want Varney to just have to do this fucking Ernest thing forever. He he he's an actor. He wants to play around and do things. Let's make a weird movie where he gets to play like four or five characters and base it on well, I guess not even base it on, but just like create the character of Doctor Otto. Um and even like they open the movie with Ernest and Vern. And this is kind of of course the movie's ridiculous, but they open with uh, Ernest and Vern. Ernest tells Vern that he uh, met some dude and, and got a good deal on this thing, and he gave him a bunch of stuff uh, in exchange for a changing coffin. And he jumps in there and becomes Doctor Otto. Um, and then immediately the movie is just kind of creepy and weird. Even the the opening credits is there's a song called "Our Our Love Festers" that plays. Yes. Um, the, but... the opening credits have a have footage of natural disasters. Um... It, it, they use a full like thirty second shot or twenty second shot of a um, a nuclear bomb going off, I believe, in like a nuclear test. Yeah, there's also like later on, there's like a police raid footage, like where where things are on fire and stuff like that, like just kind of tossed in. The stock footage they use in this is incredibly dark because it just reminds you of real world tragedies, and I'm like, what little ki- like what? This is not really a kids movie, is it? Like maybe like a <laughs> 10 to 14 year old as opposed to a like 5 to 6 year old well this would definitely be like a pg-13 today but at the time like it's it's got to be like probably not rated it does feel like more of a ace ventura kind of thing yeah exactly which is what i'm saying like this is 86 uh jim carrey probably hit what around 94 or so 93 94 so literally like it's seven years Varney could have been Jim Carrey. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I think with the right guidance and everything, he could have been. Uh, he definitely could have done, you know, played the Riddler in Batman Forever or the Grinch. Oh, that would have been Grinch fun. Stole Christmas. Like, he could have been any of that stuff, I think. Um, but it's a, so it's a, it's a very episodic movie. It begins with Dr. Otto saying he's going to destroy the world's economy with the special gloom beam, which the gloom beam is very much like a, um, like Jim Farney's face is a rubber face. It's a rubber gun. It just does whatever the movie needs it to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of explain it as like, it's uh, it sends out magnetic pulses and it basically is going to like uh, kill all credit cards and registers and computers and everything like that. Basically wiping out the world's credit and debt and like all economic information which means like the mo- the, the at the beginning of this movie the world is collapsing and for some reason we're following these instead of following the president or something we're following this group of bankers in Cincinnati it's uh, very uh reminds me of like the the uh interlude part in, in Monty Python uh, where where it's just like the the kind of uh, businessmen and, and bankers that like slowly become like a pirate ship, 
Yes. Uh, I believe that's in Meaning of Life. <laughs> I believe that is in Meaning but, of yeah, Life. But yeah, that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. But yeah, they have that thing uh, where, yeah, they're just like, oh, uh, the, the world's collapsing and everything is happening and, and, and bombs are going off everywhere and our profits are definitely going to... Yeah, the streets will run red with stockbroker blood, and our earnings will be down. Yeah, and our earnings are definitely going to go down. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of, like, fun sort of... It has more of a satiric parody uh, thing going on in this. Like, it makes A little, but it doesn't have much to say. (laughs) Other than, you know, uh, bankers are greedy, uh, bankers are suicidal when they lose money um and the but dr otto is basically like a bond villain in this movie like with the scheme he has which is weird that they don't jump there is a president in this and he's only in there for a 30 second joke which is a decent joke because they finally like mr president and they're looking down and then he's just like in a small like uh tiled room like crying in in the fetal position yeah and he goes he goes uh after explaining the situation he's crying and, and and you know hopeless the president goes so you could say the national debt is gone like trying to find the the spin on this and like a it, i think like a secret service agent or whoever is like uh, i guess you could say that and the president's like call a press conference like i this is how i'm spinning the situation um which is you know hinting at at something that the, the series would never do which is like make political jokes or make satiric jokes or anything yeah that's about as as, as raw and real as, as it gets um also just like kind of small jo- and again the jokes in this movie really work and probably better than any of the other jokes in the Ernest movies um but just like little things like it, it all takes place it's aimed at cincinnati because it's the financial capital of southern ohio <laughs> it's so funny because it's, it's it's so it's like one person says so goes cincinnati so goes the world uh, <laughs> um but yeah it's it's a movie with a much darker sense of humor uh it, it has yes real punchlines and jokes it has a lot of people making jokes that because usually Ernest is is the the goof and Almost everybody else in the movie is a straight man, except for when Ernest is donning a character. So basically, Jim Barney is the goof always, and then everybody else has to be the straight man to balance out. But him. there's no—I guess the only straight man in this movie is uh, Jackie Welch, um, who plays what was it? Doris is her yeah. character. Yeah, she's she's she kind of the. A... Sorry, go on. Oh, I said she's kind of the only like straight man in the movie, and she's very straight like she doesn't get to make jokes at all she's pretty much just like one of the team and and that's fine but she's just the only person that's not an idiot <laughs> yeah but which that's sort of what Ernest does in a that's sort of a theme in these movies is that Ernest sort of has a woman a very competent woman around him that doesn't get to be goofy <laughs> doesn't get to be the punch you know the jokester um obviously Ernest goes to Africa is a different thing than that but like th- I'm thinking even like Ernest goes to camp like well, honestly, even Ernest Goes to is, Africa is, is kind of like that. Yeah, she, she has some jokes, but it's mostly it's mostly she's the yeah. straight man to Ernest. Like, as soon as Ernest and her share a frame, she doesn't make jokes. Ernest makes jokes. Um, well, because he's the funny guy. And see, and that's weird because that is a running theme in just about all of the movies. Uh, but I, I guess I never... I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I guess I never minded it as much as I did here. Um, because Ernest was there, and I like yeah. Ernest. But this time we have a different uh, lead character, hero guy, uh, Sterling. So, something Sterling, whatever. The do fuck. you think? Do you think that the Sterling character in Ernest, and in, in this sort of like you know straight, competent women, 
are dry are driving but you know there's these goofballs that are that people for some reason trust <laughs> and you know they're the the leads they're making goofy jokes do you think that's like semi-autobiographical to you know coke sams and and uh jim varney and and john cherry like that they are the goofs in their lives with all these and then like all the women in their lives are kind of like all right like let's like actually lay out numbers and like figure this shit out like do you think that there's just a lot of responsible women around them it's it's very possible, and again, like when I watch it in this movie, because the actual lead, the Lance Sterling guy, the hero, uh, is very bland and boring and not funny and not charming in the way that Ernest is. So the entire time I'm like, hmm. But then Jackie Welch is there as Doris, and she's like the the only way. But he still, of course, gets all the credit as he bumblefucks his way through the movie <laughs> uh, because you know he's the the straight white male hero uh, that doesn't even really did it. His sidekick does all the work, and then he gets all the credit. Uh, because you know of his privilege and shit but i'm just like oh yeah that's kind of how all the Ernest movies are but i like Ernest. i don't like this guy so I, i'm like maybe they're trying to be satirical about like how movies usually are and stuff but i don't think so because they just kind of continue that i kind of like the character as written um i don't think that the the actor is particularly funny in any way i, I think that the there's a few funny lines that like he manages to get out without botching. Um, I think the character itself is is a pretty funny, like uh, opposite to you know opposite and yet also brethren to Ernest because he's a bumbling buffoon, mm-hmm. but he loves you know America. He loves like you know loyalty and he loves being nice to people. Like in a lot of ways, he does sort of have like an Ernesty quality. But yeah, just completely more, oblivious to everything. But he doesn't come off as a buffoon, and like, it's a bit more of a complicated joke because the all the people in charge trust him, even though his partner is really the one that fixes everything, and he just takes credit for it without realizing it. Right? Like, he's not evil. He just doesn't realize that he's like that stupid. He just thinks well, he's like he is also he is kind of like a sexist asshole in this a lot of times. Yes. Too. Yes. Some of that is time. Some of that is, like, you know, he's just disregarding women's opinions in a way that, like, in the 80s, I don't think anybody would have noticed, but... Well, yeah, but, and, and again, that's why at times it almost seems satirical, because, like, he's basically, like, you know, hanging on a door trying to save a woman, and it's just like, oh, you're gonna be a nurse, that's great, because it, it goes to your natural inclination to, to care for people and to change linens and things like that. And just saying the dumbest shit, and then, like, his sidekick, Doris, actually saves her and saves the day, and then he just happens to hop up just in time to be like, oh, yeah, I guess I did this. Like it, even the damsel doesn't seem to care. She's like, "Well, I'm in love with with uh, Lance Sterling. I'm not, I'm not thanking you." I do want to say one thing about Lance Sterling. Uh, I, I do think it's a decent character. He's not played super well. The actor isn't super good. Uh, I will just say, though, I, I appreciate this because it's something you don't see very often in movies at all. Um, but a guy that is ugly balding, much in the same way I'm ugly balding <laughs> as your hero. I appreciate that. You know, a, a guy that, you know, it's it's very obvious and kind of, kind of off-putting when you, when you do see it. Um, and then also he goes out of his way to, to put that hat back on whenever he can. I I get that. I relate to that, man. Uh, also, I, I, I totally get that. He it makes it really funny when they do flashbacks to his childhood and he's just... Still... <laughs> and he's still like this balding dude in like a onesie pajamas, like talking to his dad. Like, there's some solid jokes in here about like, is it like waspy people? Like, how would you describe the stereotype? He's like sort of oh, yeah. like... 
they're, they're totally first hard ons. Yeah, they're conservative waspy types. Yes, I, I I'm pretty into I'm pretty into um the fact that like they decided to actually like build out this sort of character and like have all these characters around it that sort of form the character a little bit tighter. But yeah, it's it's I'm glad they went with Ernest and not you know Lance Sterling. This Lance well, Sterling joke would have gotten very fucking old very fast. Oh yeah. Well, well, here's the thing too because this is something I want to bring up because we're about to start getting into this is that now it, it basically Lance Sterling and Dr. Otto are like arch nemeses. They they're rivals since since childhood, since birth uh to where like Lance got everything and the perfect parents and was the the, the do-gooder and Dr. Otto got shit and got terrible parents and was the evil guy. Um but within the confines of the movie, Dr. Otto is actually just Ernest who stepped into a uh, a changing coffin and then got turned into this evil thing. So technically he's only existed for uh, a day or two, but he's building, we have all these flashbacks of Dr. Otto being like when I was a child and seeing Lanch through, uh, Lance through the window during Christmas or, uh, you know, the, the high school science fair where he built the robot for the first time and Lance had a voting booth and all these things like that. Is this just Ernest as Dr. Otto, like, crazy obsession and he just, like, Lance has no idea who the fuck he is and just, like, he's building this mythology around himself and, like, their rivalry? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Like, this is all, like, a foil game. Like, this is a proxy war? Yeah, like, like Lance really is oblivious and has no idea who the fuck Dr. Otto is because he ha- he's only been around for a day or something. And and just, like, but Dr. Otto is building that up in his head as, like, his rival since birth, which is why everything in the flashbacks are always so silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I totally, I totally buy that because Lance is so oblivious always like he's just an oblivious character which makes it funnier Uh, the flashbacks i think are pretty funny like they're pretty good jokes so we have flashbacks to their rivalry and like one is like a dr otto (laughs) murdered his parents Um, oh yeah he blew them up which was good and a good explosion effect as well they would not have production value like that even by the time they got to like anything post scared stupid basically Oh yeah, that that's when it dropped off. And again, because this was super low budget, uh, even compared to stuff like I'm sure Ernest Goes to Africa and stuff, I'm sure this is maybe a, a fifth or less of the budget of that movie. But it it looks great. Um, I will say the it has the like first... a trashed '80s aesthetic that's very charming. So it like does... the, the cheapness of it feels kind of fun. It feels like a post-apocalyptic '80s movie in a way. Like... Well, it does. It it has a an aesthetic very similar to like Little Monsters and yes. stuff to where it's very colorful and weird and the production design is interesting but it looks like it was made for twenty dollars yes just I, they I, were very inventive with it though yeah i i completely agree it has a uh, it has a sense of charm uh, if you are into these kind of movies for sure but um, it looks like they built everything out of stuff they found in the trash <laughs> yeah um and, I mean, there's literally a monster made of trash later in this movie, so that checks out. 
Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but even that that first flashback uh, to when they were both born, uh, you have Lance who who is born born to the waspy parents, and it's like, oh, he's so cute, it's the perfect child. And then he's like, oh, nice to meet you, mother and father. I'm very happy to have <laughs> you as my parents. And then we cut to Doctor Otto, whose mother is like in a, in an alley gutter somewhere, just like screaming. And this witch doctor comes in, it's just like, I have some bad news, and like this this lumpy gushy thing just falls out of a potato sack and it's like it lived (laughs) (laughs) and that's when we get the baby dr otto and that's when we get baby dr otto um dr otto's whole layer seems made of trash um it's a trash aesthetic and it's his costume is made of trash the 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 casio sort of score sound is just like this sort of like synth wave trash core kind of thing like it, they are not it's not like a rich vangelist score it is a like the cheapest synthesizers that they could conscionably used and it's kind of fun and noodly like it's it's kind of right in that sweet spot where that aesthetic has come back around whereas mm-hmm. some of the more noodly like uh 90s synth scores sound kind of like just a little a little too hammy like just mm-hmm. not the right kind of hammy it's purely an aesthetic choice, but it's one I'm making. I think the score in this is actually kind of like fun and bouncy. Um, but this is a very episodic movie. It's well, yeah, not... because it's basically just uh, an, an excuse for Varney to get to show off his chops and play like four or five different characters. Like he's the main villain in Dr. Otto, but then it's like they just... It basically is like sketches almost where it's just like, oh no, our heroes are here. How are we going to stop them? I'll jump into the changing coffin, turn into this character, and then we'll set up like this ruse to, to, to trap them. Yes. And it's one of those things where the segments, so, you know, it's it's um, Lance and who's Lance's partner? Sorry. Doris. Doris. She just doesn't have a character, so it's hard to remember. Lance and Doris go on the road like immediately. And then they run into a, uh, a oh there isn't there, there is an actual like titular riddle as well that we didn't mention yeah it it, it doesn't come to fruition really yeah it doesn't matter it's sort of just a, a joke thing there's no reason for the title to be as long as it is so they go to a child soldier camp and then they go to a um which I did like I think that was my favorite of. Well, maybe not of the characters, but my favorite of, like, the settings that they put in, that it's all of a sudden just, like, a red hardtacks mercenary day camp. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty funny joke. And then there's pirates, and then there's Auntie Nelda has, like, uh, is, like, poisoning them with a robot companion. And then there's, like, a 19, like, a roaring 20s, like, aesthetic in a warehouse. Um, that's where the low budget really shows. Um, yeah, all but of that that's leads... where it becomes like a waspy kind of guy, <laughs> like a rich. But like most of these segments don't roll into each other. The characters all come back at the end of the third act to try and kill uh, Lance, but those segments don't really like. They just escape that segment and then they go to the next segment. It's extremely episodic as a movie. Even the flashbacks are kind of like, well, here's ten minutes of flashback because it's going to be like all of lance's childhood and all of dr otto's childhood and you know in this particular time point in time and then you know another well then they do a sketch yeah they do a sketch he does a character and then it's like oh no we cut back to dr otto in his lair and then he remembers something else we do a flashback then we do another character and a sketch and then we do that again and yeah it is they just do that like four times in the movie 
Yeah, it's it's um it's it, the structure. I think the structure and the darkness of it make it exciting in a way that like sometimes episodic movies can be very boring. I really like that it goes through all these sort of feels, these sort of like aesthetics mm-hmm. or sub aesthetics, I should say. Um, have you ever seen the movie Doomsday by Neil Marshall? I don't believe so. I, I don't know if anybody has, but it's a fucking kick-ass action movie that basically we get introduced to a badass heroine, and then she is in a plague movie, like a, a like a sort of a John Carpenter-esque plague movie, mm-hmm. and then she's in a Mad Max movie, and then she's in a like a medieval movie, and then she's in a car racing movie, and she's just like going from like adventure to adventure, and the movie is like changes the way it looks in each segment almost like it sort of transitions to like a dustier thing for like the 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 sword the sword fighting and like it goes to a sleeker more modern look for the car racing and like it all it's but it's it's all the same director it's not like uh you know several directors doing it or anything yes it's just one movie about one woman going on this like really badass action adventure like and it's almost like they came up with this cool character and they were like I want to make four of these movies, but let's just make one movie where she goes through the four movies I was going to make, almost. It feels... I really recommend Doomsday. It's a really mm-hmm. kick-ass movie that people slept on. Um, but it, it, it reminds me of this, where it's just like... Ernest is like, I want to go through these four characters. I don't want to have like a whole movie for the, the, the child soldier camp. I don't want to have a whole movie where I have to do the pirate thing or the Auntie Nelda. I want to jump in every so often. Well, yeah, see, and again, before this, all they really had, other than the commercials, was just the Haver and It's My Family album, which we'll get to eventually. But that's probably the same thing. That one maybe has like eight to ten just shorter sketches, maybe probably not more than ten minutes each, if maybe a little bit less. But he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is my great uncle something something world, and this is my, my aunt something something. And just like kind of doing it to where he gets to play different characters. But here... It's it's so much odder and darker because they they book in the movie with Ernest. It, it begins and ends with Ernest, and then everything in between is just like, hey, you like this character of Ernest? Well, guess what's going on in my fucked up weird head? And then it's like <laughs> Dr. Otto and all these other characters and the, this very humorous and very like kind of spot on jokes and stuff, but also extremely dark humor. Um, but just like interesting visuals, interesting uh, kind of prop work and stuff like that to where it, it it works. And even though you can feel that they are really stretching this out to a feature length movie, especially once we get into like the last bit and the last character or so, like they're really trying to stretch it because each one of these character bits is probably like 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, and it, and it, it does give us sort of forward momentum like i was saying that like i i just really like that i think some of these movies when it's episodic you're just like am i watching four different movies i think in this it feels like you're watching one movie yeah one kind of leads to the other it's just kind of like oh hey they're coming after us well they broke down in a country road somewhere so they wander off into the woods and they discover a mercenary camp then they get out of the mercenary camp and then they're just still somewhere in the woods so we're gonna lead them out of the woods to fucking auntie nelda's isn't or, it weird no. Auntie Nelda is evil in this? Like, that's all I really want to say about that segment. It is fucking weird to see Auntie Nelda be actually evil. Yeah, that's true, because usually it is just Ernest trying to, like, get out of a situation by playing, like, a, a kind of, you know, needy old woman. Uh, but here it's just like, oh, no, well, uh, he he 
he's trying to kill. In this, Auntie Nelda like literally poisons the whole table. Like it adds a weird, almost poisons herself. Yes, it adds a weird darkness over the character that I just wasn't used to, um, and wasn't like ready for. (laughs) But yeah, I. But it kind of works. I could see her doing that. She seems like she might slowly poison her family. If properly motivated, yeah. Yeah. And so I well, I mean, of course she's motivated. They don't appreciate her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't, if your kids don't appreciate you, someday you're gonna fucking poison them. That's just yeah. How slowly, it works. slowly over time. Yeah. Um, make them need you, and then don't be there for them. I had a I read a horror book that was in our library as a kid, like a school library that was like called like Eat Your Poison, Dear. And I still remember the creepy cover of, like, a kid sitting at a kitchen table and, like, a mom trying to feed her child poison. And I was like, why, why is this a children's literature thing that we all have? Why is this, like, just in the library for a fourth grader to read? <laughs> uh, the idea of being poisoned is very scary for a child because children already don't want to eat most of the food their parents put in front of them. Well, and they have no control over what they eat. It's just what's handed to them. They have no idea where it came from, what's in it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, uh, what do you think about Doctor Otto? I find him really hard to understand. Like, like as a character, I, literally, like his voice. Like, I, I, I like can't. I have trouble understanding like his line readings. Oh well, I mean, there are times where he kind of plays that up a little bit. Like, uh, even when he was going to to do the the riddle, because he basically does a broadcast over everything, and he's just like, "Oh, you you must solve this riddle." Uh, and that that I will tell you now, and not very clearly, and then kind of mumbles his way through it. Um, so it's kind of played for that, but I, I like his character. I like that even though it is a lot darker, and he is a much more maniacal and kind of scary at times in this one, he still has that kind of, like, innocent, silly sense of humor at times. Because you can tell, like, Lance Sterling really bothers him, and he, like, even though it's his arch nemesis and stuff, he still, like, kind of wants to be Lance Sterling a little bit. Um, but even just like talking to his crew where they're just like, he's so dreamy. He can do everything. It's like, Oh, Mr. Mr. Never gets poop on his shoes. Sterling Mr. (laughs) Mr. Lance never had to use, uh, 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 what is that stuff called? Uh, never had to use Noxima Sterling. (laughs) (laughs) It's it. it, uh, Last night we recorded an episode for, we love to watch on Batman forever. So you, especially talking about Jim Carrey is fresh in my mind. And that movie, the movie sort of, implies that the riddler wants to not just defeat batman but to fuck batman oh like he's hardcore. so he's so obsessed with batman in a way that like i don't think that it, i don't think is true of every bond movie like there's plenty of bond movies where you're like scaramanga kind of wants to fuck bond right like he's sort of interested in his, his but his scaramanga kind of wants to fuck everything you got three nipples he's got to take him out on the on the town he's got to run the bases with him yeah um, but uh, Dr. Otto has, yeah, he's got that other hand up there. He's got to use it if you know what I mean. By the um, way, Scaramanga was totally fucking knickknack, right? Hell yeah. I hope so. Okay. okay. <laughs> knickknack! Tabasco! I hope so. Knickknack got thrown in a suitcase into a watery death. Like, I, I hope he had some fun on that island instead of just serving some three nipple douchebag the whole time. Tabasco! <laughs> <laughs> And then rubs it on his nipple. <laughs> um, it feels good because it hurts. <laughs> yeah, so the, my favorite flashback in this is... We kind of have to tackle this movie episodically. It's going to sound kind of random, but that's how the movie is. 
my favorite flashback is to the science fair where uh, Lance Sterling invents voting. <laughs> well, it's 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 a science fair, so you're supposed to have a project, right? And I do love the fact that really out of everyone, Doctor Otto is the only one that has an actual project because he creates Willie the robot. Um, and then it, I, there are some good jokes where it kind of pans across other people's projects. Someone had one called Rocks I've Known. Uh, <laughs> but his like his presentation is just called like Our Most Sacred Right. And it's just like he has a voting booth to like uh, show people what it's like to vote. <laughs> and, and it's my favorite bit in the movie. It's, the part where it's one of the few times in these movies I've actually like outright cackled is when the robot goes on a massacre and just starts smashing kids in the face and blowing up their their shit like throwing kids into the window and like tearing down their science fair one of the kids has an exhibit that's like why are men smarter than women oh and he's basically (laughs) playing like three card monty with like the 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 name tags where it just has like three different size brains and it's just like they keep switching like man and woman and who has the the pickest brain but yeah like why are men smarter than there's like pork as yeah. a project <laughs> not the pork because the robot smashes the little pig um it's so there are children <laughs> there are children in china that don't get pork <laughs> there we go that's a very funny bit to me because because of how dumb people are that like that's the one point in the movie where lance gets hit, gets everyone's stupidness kind of turned around on him where uh someone is in the voting booth the voting booth gets tossed by the killer robot and then she goes this is a very unsafe science project <laughs> like to to i was like i, I appreciate where your head's at but this needs a lot of work to be safe <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think the i think that the that like sort of misdirection is something that the series doesn't do much where people are just like insane and like more unpredictable and the movie is more unpredictable usually it's like Ernest and his team are unpredictable but like not like the villains and the people that actually the the hero has to defeat are unpredictable yeah they're always straightforward yeah there's literally a scene in this movie I forgot about this where a stockbroker puts a gun in his mouth like like for a long time like i think the gun in his mouth for like a full 15 oh, yeah, like, count a- about to commit suicide and the actual joke of the scene is that when he takes the gun out of his mouth he still talks like there's a gun in his mouth it's diabolical like i would never show this movie to a child how long does that russian roulette scene go on it's like over five minutes to where dr otto like as uh, uh whoever the fuck the the australian guy um puts a bullet in the gun spins it puts it up to the robot's head pulls the trigger and then tries to get doris to do it and then finally lance's like no i i get to go first i get to do it first and he like manhandles the gun for a little bit and then puts it up to his head and like it goes on for a while and you don't know what's going to happen and then he like does like eight shots into into the robot's head and none of them go off and it it's so fucking dark <laughs> it, it's so bleak and like but it's, it is, it's it like is. it's like Ernest in the deer hunter <laughs> yes yes and it, it but it leads to my favorite joke in in that section that part of the movie which is similar to the robots mashing things so they like cause chaos by fucking up the Russian roulette and then all the kids just start like 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 they're 
firing off firecrackers just start shooting wildly in the tent and no one's getting hit and stuff is just like falling apart around them it's like a it's like a police academy movie or something where it's just like everybody is shooting in all directions but no one's actually getting injured like it's so so funny um but yeah that's my favorite my favorite flashback for sure is the science fair one um but yeah we're we're kind of like we're kind of approaching the end here i think like we're kind of we've kind of cracked this movie we're Dr. Otto is, is, has this big plan to fuck up the world's economy. The stock footage to show us him doing that. And this, I will say, uh, because the lead character isn't earnest, um, the lead character totally fucks in this movie? Or, like, is implied that he would if he knew what to do, I guess. Because there, this movie is way more sexualized than any of the earnest movies. So, we do have some questions of the week to go through. Um, they're all kind of earnest focused though and earnest is barely in this movie we'll get to it kind of at the end of this episode i think um well, we, we we can uh, always you know plug in jim varney yeah in the same way yeah and so but usually lance sterling is sort of like the the er, earnest right like the buffoon that buff, you know bumbles his way through the movie bumble fucks and to borrow a phrase yeah, um, but he's supposed to be like the uh, the manly man, the hero type man, much more so than Ernest ever is. Yeah, and so, what racial uh, ethnic group does Ernest defend this week? Uh, depressed people. Yeah, it's like you know, surprisingly, uh, especially coming hot off the tails of Ernest goes to Africa, and especially with being the darkest and weirdest movie. Like, yeah, maybe people with like mental health issues a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah, people but with honestly, with clinical depression would probably the, be like this, kind of taken aback. Like, this I was. may be the the least offensive Ernest movie, <laughs> which is weird because it's also the darkest. Um, just how it's just how casual racism goes on. I, I mean, um, women. It, Ernest defends women this week. Yeah, we'll definitely say, say that. Let's say women for sure. Because um, there is the the one character of Tina who's like one of Doctor Otto's like uh, you know minions uh, who, again, the trap that they set up out in the woods to like to to get him to get Lance is they have her in a schoolgirl outfit uh, hanging off of a door that's hanging off the side of a cliff, uh, and there are like several like upskirt shots. When, when doing Ooh, that yeah i noticed that and in the room i went oh like that's i mean yeah a bit, bit more like the shot that uh, way if they uh, didn't want that in the shot yeah. right yeah they totally did that's why i'm saying like that's way more sexual than just about anything uh you know uh, attempted raping goes to jail excluded but, you know as, as far as a sexualized thing in there and of course it's not earnest so maybe it's more okay but yeah, just a lot of that, a lot of just sexist humor, which again is mainly just coming from the the dumb hero's mouth, so it doesn't really hold weight, but it's still just kind of there. Where do we want to go from here? Does Ernest fuck? Ernest definitely does not fuck. Uh, Ernest is in the movie for well, too short of a period of time to fuck. Well, okay, so Lance Sterling uh, yes. is made to to for people to think that he fucks uh but when he actually gets a little bit of a chance for something with uh with tina there he he's he's shy he he's scared he runs he's away a, a little guy. bit yeah uh, i, I, I think, think he hand just stuff at best i think i think he just doesn't know what to do uh there is also a little bit of hand stuff in this movie um there's the scene where uh i guess the pirate scene where they have the girl <laughs> yes. tied up or whatever and then lance comes up and like puts a jacket around her 
um, to cover her up. And then to hold the jacket in place, he grabs one of the pirate's hands and puts it to like hold the coat. Um, and that whoever's hand that was totally just like grabbed a breast. <laughs> That's deeply uncomfortable. Like was was copping a feel to this girl that was tied up with a coat wrapped around her. So that's um, th- that is a you know a, a filmmaking you know behind the scenes creepy thing. Sort of like have you ever seen Back to the Future Three where they slow down that shot and there's a um, uh, a actor a young actor is making obscene gestures at mary steenbergen they're on the train at the end of the movie oh where he's like uh putting his finger through his pants yeah and he's like pointing his dick it's it's uncomfortable so there's that which is like even the directors somehow didn't notice this and then there's this you know similar but there's also a dirty joke about the pirates are searching his pockets and then he's like, huh, there's a, little, a dick a, joke a, in an earnest a, movie. A little to the right, which means that canonically Lance Sterling has had his penis touched by a pirate. Yeah. It, canonically. It, and But he, he wasn't just like, you know, and that's the thing. Maybe he, he does fuck. He's just not sure what he wants to fuck. Uh, because literally, like, he, he reaches in his pocket and he's just like, oh, a little to the right there, guy. Like, not like, oh, you touched my dick, but just like, hey, he's, you know, I appreciate it, but, uh, you know, we got business to take care of right now. He's too amicable to be to be mad or, or gay panic about it. He's just like, you know, the other way is where, where you're looking. Um, what is Ernest's mental state? Can't do that this week. Lance's mental state is uh, acute narcissism, <laughs> acute narcissistic well, personality disorder. We, we can, though, because uh, Ernest, again, he's the setup for this. Uh, Ernest has multiple personality disorder like he, he tends to do quite often, but he, he is literally insane. He goes into like this changing coffin and becomes an insane madman uh, who then gets all sorts of other personalities to where even at the end of the movie, you'd think like, well, you know, something happens, the the changing coffin, you know, gets reversed or something, and then Ernest is back at the end, and it's our old buddy Ernest. But really, at the end, it's Dr. Otto choosing to turn into Ernest uh, as a way to trick them, and then at the very end of the movie, he takes his hat off, and it's Ernest with Dr. Otto's hand above his head. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, great ending, by the way. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Ernest is uh, insane and lost in the mindset of someone else that he is not and has completely lost all sense of self. I think, do you think this movie is uh, canonical? Oh, so do you mean going forward, every time we see Ernest in an Ernest movie, it's really Dr. Otto? Like, do you think that's what's under the under the hat? is uh is a is a creepy hand it's kind of a good explanation this is kind of a bombshell of this is canonically sound otherwise it's just a you know a treehouse of horror situation yeah of, of why the hat never comes off uh it did come off and Ernest goes to africa so mm. yeah mm. Mm. it did also come off and Ernest goes to camp yeah but just briefly um you know what i'm gonna say this is a you know a non this is a non-canonical exercise in the Ernest universe that's that's my explanation for it because uh, I need to have a strict timeline of what Ernest is doing at different times. Well, I mean, just just like anything else, just like any of the commercials, just like any of the movies, it's just like a you know story of the week kind of thing. Like you know, uh, Ernest became this Doctor Otto character, almost destroyed the entire world, uh, completely fucked up the economy, um, and you know, then he just kind of uh, went went on a traveling and became a camp counselor at some point. Like you know, just week to week, he, he's doing a different thing. You're looking for the word 
drifter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, there are a couple more jokes I do want to bring up that I thought were quite good in this. Um, there's a newspaper joke that I thought was great. Uh, where it, it does like three in a row, but it's just like, you know, uh, the, the economy collapses, world collapses, and then the third one is Frank collapses, and it's just a dude falling on top of the newspaper. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, it, it's the sort of humor that's like feels more of, um, of its era in a good way, like the sort of police academy style absurdism, mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, Python style absurdism, but it doesn't go that quite that far. Um, where it like breaks the universe it's more it's, of like a police it's more like thing. zucker brothers kind of kind of yes absurdity airplane maybe um but yeah there's some there's some good little jokes like there that are built in like setup punchline that i'm into but yeah i uh, i'm i'm pretty happy with with how this episode went with how this movie went uh, you got anything else before we head towards the end uh no just one other really creepy thing so we didn't talk a whole lot about willie the robot but he's in it he's kind of the you know the butler the the maid the the cook uh things like that just always part of uh dr otto's schemes but towards the very end when they have the big uh showdown where eventually like his whole island which is a very cool like miniature and with some stop motion effects at times uh, that I, I really dug um, but yeah so basically when he goes super evil and the robot tries to kill our heroes he basically drills into his own head and then gets a very angry face on and then attacks them uh, and I remembered that when I saw it again I remembered that and remember that I had that was a little bit of, of nightmares for me as a kid this movie is so creepy. Like I, I, I'm not I had many, I had, I had many a nightmare associated with this movie. I love this stuff, and I love the character of Doctor Otto. But yeah, uh, the creepy, uh, crowded face with hand on top of head and killer robots and stuff. Like yeah, this totally fucked up my head as a kid. Some, um, and uh, that's why I'm here now. <laughs> there is, there is something very creepy about Doctor Otto and how crowded his little lair is because like. If you can't see something's shape and form, it does make it more terrifying. Like, not being able to put something inside of a specific sort of outline or silhouette can make something so much scarier. Um, I mean, it's it's the principles that a lot of, like, Lovecraftian horror operate off of. The idea that you're like, I don't even know what this thing looks like. And there is a scene of Dr. Otto stalking um, Lance Sterling's family on Christmas morning in a flashback where he's running along the mm-hmm. lawn that legitimately gave me, like, a ugh. Like, oh, just the way creepy. he's moving. He's just not, he's not moving correctly. It's a little bit of, like animal creature um i was like what the fuck is this thing doing like this troll goblin thing um and it, and i think that's like it's where it's most effective i don't think dr Otto is very funny but he makes for a good villain for one movie i'm glad they didn't make like four dr Otto movies well yeah because uh like like the book said this had failure smeared all over it <laughs> so of course they tried this and uh i think even like in the credits it says like because i think uh it's like dedicated to our mentor Elmore uh, Elmo Williams, who was a producer uh, who produced like a, a lot of like kind of good movies and Oscar nominated movies and stuff like that. Uh, kind of helped them to get this made, and they're like, "Hey, uh, sorry about this. We promise uh, if we get another chance, we'll make a good one for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't make more. 
because like i don't think that this this character is one i really need to spend a lot more time with um, it barely works as its own feature-length movie like even that he needs, I, like, five I, was henchmen. Su- I was surprised that this is actually an hour and a half and not like 80 minutes yeah i, I mean i think that i was, was surprised that, felt, that this like, got uh, a theatrical release of like 1200 theaters yeah i mean it's it's got a it's got one of those titles where you're like so this made it through multiple producers how like and let alone was released to theaters with that title like it's, it's i mean it's like nonsense. i don't think it lasted a week but yeah it, it, it got a release yeah but once they they sort of built Ernest up from the ground floor um they built these characters up a little bit more though i do think that the characters are better developed here than they are would be later in in some of the movies even because i feel like this is when it's still early on like they hadn't gotten all their jokes out out yet about the character like i'm not sick of auntie nelda yet at this point well Um, they they hadn't but they also weren't constantly under the pressure and you felt like the ticking clock of like we got to get back to Ernest though we're here to see Ernest. we you know do do your little bit for like five minutes or less but then we gotta get back to Ernest doing the funny uh kind of the same thing with the other characters around like here kind of just about everyone except for doris gets to have comedy and gets to be kind of goofy and funny uh while in the Ernest movies it's just like mostly reserved for Ernest uh, and maybe Chuck and Bobby a little bit also did you notice uh Bobby was in this uh, as yeah. a mechanic in the very beginning and you get to hear him talk with his adorable little accent yeah Bobby's uh Bobby's in this very briefly because he has such a unique face um it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to miss Bobby but you you never get to hear him talk, but you get to hear him talk, and he has just the most adorable southern accent. He does, he does. It's a shame that we didn't get to have him and Garrett Sartain around more for the rest of these movies. Like mm-hmm. in that Garrett Sartain just got to talk for him for the rest of, the rest of his run. Um, it's a, it's an interesting thing when they're like, "This guy's our friend. We're keeping him around," but like, he better shut his fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> But again, just the fact that this is what they did their first time making a feature film. They like had some steam with Ernest and like, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to put all our eggs into making an Ernest movie. We don't want to get Varney stuck into this character forever. Let's, let's you know, build on that and let's do a, a random weird movie with our sense of humor. It was fucking ballsy and it's dark and it's weird. And I guess the fact that it didn't work is why they made an earnest movie and why they made it more kid-friendly and why everything was then toned down and again they kind of like got a little weirder as they went along Ernest goes to jail pretty dark pretty weird Ernest scared stupid pretty dark pretty weird a little too dark a little too weird then we had to start all over again and go super kitty and super you know light-hearted yeah yeah and i'm excited to restart this journey with you um not literally restart but you know get got more fuel in the tank and we're ready to go yeah yeah Can't say so uh what's our so what so what's our next movie marcus and how do you feel about it well uh let, let's see uh we could do this one of a couple of ways like i said we we jump back to pretty close in the beginning if you want to go ahead and just get it out of the way we can do the final Ernest movie Ernest uh is is the army um, Ernest does army Ernest does army uh we could go ahead and get that out of the way uh you know palate cleanse and go back to something in the beginning or we we could mix it around we could we could save uh goes to army for later yeah um yeah let's do let's do goes to army is that cool with you yeah let's do it let's get out of the way um because then we've pretty much gotten 
rid of the two worst movies and next all we'll have is you know middling to decent movies and <laughs> i am okay with with continuing that way i, I, I would don't... like to end this series on a on a like oh that was fine instead of a um oh god yeah, so I'm thinking uh, whichever one is, is the one directly after Scared Stupid, which I think is Rides Again, uh, that should be the last one. <laughs> the one that's the closest to the original movies. Let's do it that way. That's a great idea. But yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining. Thank you, Marcus, for being an awesome co-host again. And uh, yeah, Thank you, Peter, for, for doing a, a fine job. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine job. Um <laughs> Oh, fine, yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, I'm sure by the time we record another one of these, we will be just as rusty and need to go through all of this nonsense of figuring oh, out how oh, to yeah. do our own show again. Um, it's really great because um, none of my skills from the other podcasts that I do apparently translate to this one. <laughs> uh, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, this has been awesome. And uh, what do we sign off with? Uh, uh, do we just ramble? Uh, do we just ramble? Yeah, I, th- I think we just ramble until we kind of okay. run out of steam oh, so, and eventually stop it. So, Marcus, yeah, before we go, yeah, what is the status of your earnest accent? Is it getting any better? Uh, I mean, no, uh, of course not. I am terrible at doing voices. Um, I, I feel like, if anything, I, I get the essence of Ernest. Uh, I get kind of what he does to where he's kind of, you know, innocent and sweet. And then he has a bit of bravado and he's just kind of like, you know, he'll, he'll go off on a little bit of a rant. And then he's just like, you know, uh, uh, and, and then seriousness. Know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's all about misdirection. It's all about going but yeah it's basically just you know uh it's hard to not overdo a southern accent i've come to find <laughs> um yeah but like my favorite southern accents are like uh are, are, are just cartoonish ones the ones that are just like dripping with molasses but Ernest has one that like you have to nail the sort of like it's sort of like easygoing because he's more of like a it's more of a border state sort of thing it's not like a draw well yeah because he's ten he's like tennessee he's not like alabama he's not mississippi he's tennessee he's more of a tennessee williams kind of guy yeah tennessee varney (laughs) it's just every jim varney production is just dripping with sex and violence you know yeah but i think it's hard i think if i could channel my, my inner southerner because i think i've worked very hard in my life to not have a southern accent it comes out sometimes but i think if i could channel the natural southern accent i I tend to have i think i could get it what does it come out as when does it come out when you're drinking when you're when you're around like friends with the accent like when does it happen Uh, it's not so much friends with the accent I, i will say like friends and things like that it will come out more if i get excited about something uh yeah definitely if i'm drinking a little bit it'll it'll come out more uh but yeah it just kind of comes out randomly and every once in a while i hear it i hear it come out of myself and i'm just like oh god (laughs) (laughs) um i i um yeah i uh when i moved to california i had a bunch of people tell me that my i like have a midwest accent and like the way i say like my a's and stuff is like very distinct and like to me it just sounds like english so like i didn't even have to like work on anything i'm just like there's nothing i'm just too i'm too down the hole to figure out what (laughs) what words i say weird 
Yeah, but I mean, people tend to tell you and then make you self-conscious about it. Yeah. That always happens. And then I talk like this. Let's go play some American football. (laughs) Isn't that right, fellow humans? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... I, Alright, so my Ernest is not getting Yeah, go for it. It's more of a... Hey, Vern. Uh, Hey, Vern. I went ahead and changed your shocks, Vern. I can't do anything with Vern. I can't do it. It's getting worse and worse. We need to start recording weekly for me to get better. Yeah, I know. And we need to practice more. Uh, we can maybe just do an episode, uh, a brief mini episode just for uh, of us trying to get the accent down. And we'll just work <laughs> on it for like a half hour and see if we can get it. Uh, but no, yeah, like that's immediately what you want to do. You're like, hey, Vern. And then uh, <laughs> you're not sure where to go with it. But I'll, I'll yeah. just say like a... a Hey y'all! Uh, th- th- thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we-, we hope we- we've been uh, not not only informative but entertaining guests. Know what I mean? Entertaining guests. Know what I mean? Good night, everyone. He is an idiot of global proportions. <laughs> Don't talk about him. I hate him like the plague, like boils, like persistent itching. <laughs> Homeless children will starve in the streets. You pea-brained incompetent. <laughs> it will mean the end of the world as we know it. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> it's all so, so deliciously unclean. It was ruthless and completely unnecessary. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> but I... I mustn't let those feelings stay inside. (laughs) It feels so good to get those pent-up anxieties out of the system. (laughs) I, I, I hope I'm not out of line.